You're listening to Self-Publishing Journeys, the weekly podcast for all new and aspiring self-published authors. Stand by for tips, resources, hints, and practical techniques to help you on your own self-publishing journey. Meet indie authors at different stages of their writing careers and hear how they manage to get their own books published and making sales. For show notes, web links, and useful resources, please head to selfpublishingjourneys.com. Now, here's your show host, self-published author and digital marketer, Paul Teague. Hello, and welcome to Self-Publishing Journeys, episode number 46, for Monday the 16th of January 2017. My guest today is John Cronshaw, an author and the host of the Short Science Fiction Review podcast. He's a former newspaper reporter and feature writer. John plans to release three post-apocalyptic thrillers in rapid succession in early 2017. To get properly warmed up for this feat, he's been taking part in the Ray Bradbury Challenge, which asks writers to come up with one short story per week for a year. When I spoke to John for the podcast, I asked him how it's going with his debut trilogy. I'm about uh, 35,000 words through the second draft of book one, which sounds bad, but um, I've actually written the second book already um, so that's ready to go um i've gone back and done the first book and then i've got to write the third book kind of later on um it's kind of going a bit slower than i hoped just because um, we're in the middle of moving house and um mortgages and solicitors and all that stuff so my word count isn't what i would like at the moment but um no it's, it's going well i've got the i've got a prequel novella that i've just released um so that's available for free and then i've got as I say, The Wizards of the Wasteland, the second draft of that is coming really nicely. So really pleased with how that's going, just kind of in the weeds, picking out all the little tiny inconsistencies and things like that. So, yeah. you, and, you and I met uh, in September, October, I think it was, at the Carlisle Borderlines uh, Writing Festival. And uh, yeah. you, you told me then, you know, I'm an indie author. Um, I, I wanted to talk to you because you're doing, uh, you've got all the right instincts, you're doing all the right things, uh, you know, in terms of getting your marketing ready. Uh, and you said yeah. to me, oh, I'm, doing, I'm doing three books. So just remind me what the game plan is and what the launch date is, if you would. <laughs> well, I've, I've, got, I've got quite, it depends how detailed you want this, to be honest, because I have drawn out quite a detailed plan of this. Um, my basic plan, uh, to outline it is it's already started i'm in what i'm calling my phase one which is kind of introducing myself to the market so what i've done with this is i have set up an insta freebie account i've set up a mailchimp account i've set up a facebook page um i've started talking about the fact that i'm doing these books as part of NaNoWriMo. and um, so I'm, t- I'm, I'm basically starting to talk about the books um, talk about the Wizard of the Wasteland. Talk about the prequel novella, which is called Addict to the Wasteland. Um, they're all kind of these post-apocalyptic um, books, all based around the same characters, all in, in the same locations. Um, so, with this first phase, want to introduce it to the market. Want to get it. So, um, by January, I'm going to be involved in kind of group giveaways on Insta Freebie. I don't know if you're aware of these. Um, but what you can do is group together with a bunch of authors. You all promote each other's free books, and then that's a, basically a lead to get mailing lists um, a lot bigger. Um, at the moment, I'm seeing probably between 6 and 12 um, sign-ups a day for the mailing list, which has started from zero in the last few days. You know, I'm quite, ple- I'm quite pleased with how that's going, to be honest. I thought I'd probably get one or two in the first week, so 
Um, I've actually got 16 the first week, so I'm quite I'm quite pleased with that. That's good. If, if I uh, tell you that it took me 20, it took me a year when I started internet marketing years and years ago. It took me a year to get 25. Uh, when I right. when I knew nothing, you know, I knew absolutely yeah. nothing, and I was doing it by intuition and, and hope alone. That's what I got. Yeah. Well, I mean, hope hope marketing doesn't work. I think no. is the uh, the message. Um, I think the the one thing that has come again and again, you know, I've, I've I've done my homework with this. I've listened to, I mean, hundreds probably of podcasts, listening to authors, trying to kind of seep in as much information as I can about this, reading keyboards and things like that. And what I've realised is everyone is banging on about mailing lists, mailing lists, mailing lists. Um, I don't want to do the thing where I build up a fake mailing list, which is what I see some authors advising, which is where you basically advertise on Facebook, say, you know, sign up for my mailing list and get this. I want people who are already interested in the genre, hopefully already interested in what I'm doing. So I do things like post short stories on my website and things like that. And I'm hoping that they will, you know, sign up and kind of get involved and get engaged. And, and that's kind of what I want really is, is engagement from, from readers rather than just people on a list, if that makes sense. So what is the date in the distance then when all of this has to be ready and it goes? Okay, so... As I say, phase one, that was that, the mailing list set up, getting that talking. Phase two is, um, I mean, basically, it's dependent on the editing. So once it's gone out to the line editor, copy edit kind of thing, um, it's a case of looking. I mean, I'm saying at the moment, spring's 2017 for this Wizard of the Wasteland book. So that gives me a bit of bit of leeway. Um, but my plan is to, because what, what I want to do is, this is going to be a, a series of, I've got three books and I want the releases to basically go over six months um, and have every month something different to talk about um, with readers and things. So, you know, I could talk about the releases. Um, first thing I want to do is submit the book to Kindle Scout. Now, I don't know if you're aware of this, but this is basically Amazon's, uh, I suppose, a bit of a showcase where people can read 5,000 words of your book that can demo it and they can vote for it and people like agents and whatever look at it now for me i'm not actually that bothered i, I mean the idea of a traditional deal kind of fills me with dread um I've, I've got friends who are authors who've had traditional deals and it's just been nightmares for them um so what i want to do is basically get it on kindle scout as a way to talk about it as a way to get a conversation going as a way to kind of get people who might not be aware of me to kind of see it in, in a place where maybe they browse Kindle Scout or whatever. So it's, it's just a, another way to get eyes on it before the launch and to kind of get people engaged and basically sign up to the mailing list and checking out the, you know, the free novella and all that kind of thing. Um, so again, I mean, once this is done, once the campaign is done, I mean, I think it's a 30-day campaign with that. This is where, it, I mean, during this time, I'll be sending it out to places like bloggers and um, reviewers. I mean, you know what? I'm a former journalist. I've got contacts at places like the Guardian, Yorkshire Post and things like that. So, you know, I'm going to try and pull on them. I don't know whether the attitude has changed to self-publishing when, from when I was at like the Yorkshire Post, but um, hopefully because, you know, I'm a former journalist, they'll give me a break. So. <laughs> yeah. So, um, so yeah, so I mean, once the Kindle Scout campaign is finished, um, I kind of asked myself what I wanted from this launch and, I suppose there was really kind of three different ways you can look at 
a launch of a book, what you want from it. For some people, it's a case of they want as many eyes as possible on the book. They want as many readers as possible, regardless of how much they're paying. For other people, it's a case of getting the initial spike of sales and selling as many as they can in a short space of time. For me, it's about stickiness. I want my book to launch at a decent level on Amazon. I want it to kind of hover around a good ranking for as long as possible. So I'm looking at releasing on Kindle Unlimited. I mean, I'm kind of against Kindle Unlimited as a um, as a moral thing. So basically, as soon as the exclusivity period's over with these, they will be going wide. Um, but it is it is basically this seems to be the best way to kind of hold in the rankings and things like that. So it'll be a seven day pre order just to kind of get the you know the Amazon algorithms going um, to get all the also bots working, and then on the week of launch planning to buy advertising in places like just not the big sites, but maybe like Kindle nation will probably be the biggest site and probably on Amazon as well. Um, because I think that that will help, you know, it will show it to readers of in the genre. Um, I mean, I'm not saying that I've, I've written this book to market, but I'm, you know, I'm a fan of post-apocalyptic fiction and know what the tropes are and know what is kind of expected in stories. So it, it kind of seemed like a natural so I'm hoping that if I show this book, say, if people type in Hugh Howey or, um, you know, if they're looking at those kind of books, then mine will appear in the, you know, in the sponsored recommendation bit. Um, so, yeah, launched at 99p basically for a week, whack it up to 399 And then it's what I want to do, even though this is a series, is I'm really, I really want to just talk about Wizard of the Wasteland. I want to talk about this as a standalone novel market it as a complete story it is a complete story they're all all the things in the series are, are complete standalone stories i mean they follow on from each other same characters etc but the idea is is that it, you know it's, it's a single novel i don't want people to look at the thing and go oh well it's i'll wait until the series is finished or you know because I've, I've done that i've seen a few books out and I'm, I'm like oh you know do i want to commit to this yet so because i'm so focused on this idea of stickiness um it's kind of almost that I, I need to announce the um the second and third but later if that makes sense yes yes okay now I, I the reason i wanted to talk to you is because you were number one you are completely immersed in you know all the right places for an indie author you're listening to the podcast doing the reading you're you're exposing yourself to all the right influences but also, you don't have a, a a previous track record as such. You know, you're not coming to this with any mates who, who you know who can help you on your way. You're going to have to do this off your own devices, and that's why I'm really interested in following you. Number one, because the instincts and the techniques I think are all right, and they're all cutting edge. And number mm. two, because you're not going to sail on the crest of somebody else's wave. You're going to have to do all the work yourself. And I think that's a really interesting test case. There's going to be a lot of work involved in it, isn't there? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm treating this, you know, I, I've, I wrote a novel in the past that, you know, was my baby um, and was, a you know, over ambitious, kind of complicated, um, various genres. And, you know, it kind of didn't work as a as a commercial novel. And so I won't be releasing that um, because it is too complicated and it's too just it's difficult to market. It's difficult to sell. And I read the the writing to market book by chris fox and a lot of the things that were written in that book to some extent i mean you know my my background's in um you know art and um you know 
I, I used to be in, you know, p- performance art group and all this. So, you know, I've performed at the Tate. And so I've got this kind of real artistic integrity thing going on. But at the same time, I read this um, book by Chris Fox and it's like, well, actually, I can find a genre that really works for me where I know the tropes of the market, where I know what readers want and kind of, you know, write to that market. And it, I don't think it's the, the kind of, there is, a, I suppose, a cynical side to this um, in terms of just scouring for the niche groups and things like that. that I know some authors do um, and, you know, fair play to them, but that that's not for me. But I knew that I needed to kind of focus on, um, you know, it, just a, a genre that would sell. <laughs> a genre that is popular and one that I love and, and can, you know, I think I can add something different and unique to that. And I think, you know, as you say as well, this idea that I'm coming at this with fresh eyes is, um, you know, I, I don't have any contacts in this world, but I'm, you know, I'm, I lurk on all these Facebook groups and things and, you know, I get involved in conversations and just recently I've started kind of talking to people in private messaging and things. So, you know, I am trying to kind of build up, um, relationships with other authors in the genre and you know hopefully in the future you know we could work together on promoting each other or helping each other out so yeah it's a lot, a lot going on <laughs> now, there's there's also i mean as well as the writing and getting the blasted books out on time there's a lot to, yep. to grapple with things like mailchimp and email marketing which i assume you're new to are you yeah yeah very much very much i um i i had to sit with YouTube videos about a fortnight ago looking at how to actually, you know, get all the MailChimp set up. And, um, you know, I set it up and I, I signed up with one of my own emails and I realized, oh, my goodness, it's actually giving away my postal address on the re- reply email. So it's yes. like, <laughs> right, okay, let's <laughs> let's see what's going on here. So, um, yeah, so, I mean, it, it's been a very – that I think, to be honest, out of all the things, you know, I mean, I, I spent time learning my craft. Um, I spent time learning about this, and I actually think that the real technical setting up of um, Mailchimp, of the book funnel feed, setting up the you know formatting eBooks and things like that, I think that has actually been the steepest learning curve for me because I've I've always been a storyteller, I've always been a writer, so um, yeah, this is yeah, it's it's new to me <laughs> very much. But I mean, yeah, now I know it, I know it, and I'll, I should be okay going forward with that. So. One of the other things that surprised me is you've been taking part in this Ray Bradbury challenge, which I'll get you to tell us about <laughs> in a moment. But it does strike yeah. me that you're a bit of a glutton for punishment because as well as setting this, you know, what most people would consider to be a pretty severe target with getting a prequel mm. and a trilogy out, you know, within a very yeah. short time scale, you're also doing what we might call writing sort of exercises and, and, and warm-ups with this Ray Bradbury challenge. Can you just talk us through that and why you decided to take that on as well? Okay, so the the Ray Bradbury challenge is there's two challenges. There's a I'm taking on both of them because I am a glutton for <laughs> for punishment. Um, yeah, I mean I was doing this at the same time as NaNoWriMo as well. So yeah, um, there's two parts. There's the first part, which is essentially the writing challenge, which is you write a short story every week for a year. Um, I mean some of these stories have been that I've done have been drabbles, which is hundred word short story. Most of them are flash fiction, i.e. below a thousand words. There's one or two that I've done that are four thousand words, six thousand words. Um because I there's a there's a pen name that I'm going to be using to release some um 
basically science fiction short stories that are heavily parodying um, golden age sci-fi. You know, in every scene, the main character is smoking cigarettes and, you know, he's probably just had sex with a alien princess or something. So it's, it's really like over the top and something maybe that maybe distance stuff slightly from it. Um, my own name, but, um, yeah, so the, yeah, so basically it's, it's to get you to think, to write a story every week, which is really useful. Um, what I do as well, just to add to this is I've got a few friends who will just text and I'll just go, give me a theme for a story. And, then I'll write it in that evening usually. Um, so it's, it's usually just kind of off the cuff and some of them I've published, some of them I, I've just gave up on because, you know, they, they weren't great, but I mean, this is the point of the challenge is it's, you know, if you write 52 stories in a year, some of them are going to be all right. Um, <laughs> that's the thinking. The other part of it, which I absolutely love and it's the best thing I've ever done is the reading part of the challenge. And the reading part of the challenge is essentially you do, uh, you read one short story, one essay, and one poem every day for a thousand days. I'm on day 119. I've just done. Um, now I'm visually impaired, so I really struggle with you know. If I was to sit down and actually read this, so again, it's the podcast thing. There's loads of short story podcasts, loads of poem podcasts, there's loads of essay podcasts out there. So it's really broadening my um, what I'm reading. It, you know, as well as, you know, because of this, I was, I was kind of stuck in a science fiction fantasy rut for the last year or two, just reading in that genre. And now I'm reading a lot more broadly, a lot wider. So it's really kind of helped with that, really, just to kind of make me get out of my comfort zone, which is, I think, what we all need to have as writers in a way, is this idea of having, because it's like when I was a musician, one of the, one of the things that we used to do was, throwing something random like all of a sudden someone will say right we need to do this and throwing something random into the mix can really help trigger things in your mind and make you think of things differently and that's really hard to do when you're isolated as a writer trying to write things like how do you get that kind of randomness or um you know unexpectedness and so yeah i suppose that kind of helps with that and i think it's given me a better um intuitive sense for storytelling it's given me a better sense of words it's given me you know listening to all this poetry as well it's just given me i think a little bit more of a lyrical bent to my writing which is uh, yeah it's really cool so i think it's really interesting i don't know whether you've heard of a guy called james altucher um, but he talks about um the uh, a good idea about writing 10 ideas down a day and it doesn't matter whether they're good bad or indifferent but he does it because he talks about um, exercising the creativity muscle mm. and, and it strikes me that this is what this Ray Bradbury challenges it's like give me an idea and I'll busk and I'll, I'll write on it uh, like a, you know and a musician might say oh just give me a riff or something and I'll work round it but it, yeah, it, yeah. It's, it's a good attitude to have isn't it that you know I can make something I can spin something out of nothing well exactly I mean this is it I mean you know you, I was listening to a um, I think it was on a point of view radio 4 thing with um, Adam Gopnik was talking about this idea of the, um, I suppose, the militant political correctness movement in America and about this idea of how too much empathy can kind of lead to, um, I suppose, prudishness and taboos that aren't really there that kind of come to fore. And so I wrote this story and it was just a drabble hundred word thing called the empathy engine, which is this idea that a scientist 
creates a thing that makes the entire world more empathetic and it works. And so he ratchets it, ratchets it up, ratchets it up. And until eventually everyone's so paranoid about how their actions will impact people around them that everybody stops and it, it basically causes the end of the world. <laughs> so, but you know, I wouldn't have had that idea if it wasn't for listening to these essays and listening to these poets and things. So yeah, it's just, it sparks off a lot of different ideas that I wouldn't have necessarily exposed myself to before. But you know, I can see a book in that, you know, that there's, there's a whole book in that. I think if you, if you develop that and you build characters around it and you know, there's a, there's a whole story in that, I think. Oh, definitely. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And, and this is the thing is I think at the minute, the problem I'm having is that I'm having too many ideas and I'm, I'm, I'm feeling like my mind's almost being pulled in these different directions. It's like, I really want to write this uh, epic fantasy thing and I really want to write this, um, you know, a cyberpunk noir set in a post-calamity London and, you know, I've done all this world world building in my head that it's like, no, but I need to just keep plowing on with this and focus on this. So, yeah, I'm just, yeah, it's almost, it's almost like, right, I'm ready for the next project and I've not even really started um, the proper work on it yet, which is going to be the release and the marketing. So, yeah, it's... It's all to come. Um, what, does a, what does a writing day then look like for you when you're working on the trilogy? Do you, do you have word counts? Um, what, what's the kind of plan to get them? Ready? Okay, so, so I mean, I I used to have word counts. I used to go, right, I need to do 5,000 words a day. And I kept missing that. I kept getting 4,300 or that kind of level. And so instead of beating myself up every time and go, oh, you know, I just kind of gave up because um, I used to work in journalism and I was full-time reporter. And as I mentioned, I'm visually impaired. So by the end of the week, I would spend my Saturdays at least, sometimes going to Sunday, basically just lying with a migraine um, with listening to audio books and just not opening my eyes really. So um, I've, I've learned to kind of not push myself with, the word counts. What I do instead is I think to myself, right, today I want to do this scene and this scene or, you know, two or three scenes. And scenes for me are usually between 1,500 and 2,000 words. So if I get those done, then I know that I'm in the the word count anyway that I want. And um, I usually, I, I, I hate to go to a scene fresh when I'm starting a new writing day. So what I do is I will always at least write a few paragraphs in the next scene that I want to start so that I could kind of hit the ground running when I get back to it the next time. So. And have you had to make any um, adjustments? I know you have to, you know, you listen to podcasts, you do a lot of listening. Yeah. But in terms of the actual writing process, um, do, do you have something to read it back or anything like that? Um, no, because, I mean, what, what can you I've got this software called Zoom Text, which is um, it's really good. You can basically enlarge it my I mean if you looked at my computer screen it's basically in black and white negative image monochrome as well it's all it's all basically set up so I can I can read it comfortably um what I tend to do with with editing is um you know you can use zoom text to read it back in that kind of monotone robot voice um which you know it does help to kind of spot errors and things but um yeah I, I just I think nothing beats getting somebody else to read it to you like my wife will sit and read it to me and she's an English teacher and she always points out little is she like my, my writing's okay because you know I've, I've worked as a reporter I can 
just about string a sentence together now. So <laughs> <laughs> I did have to reteach myself how to write because it was, um, you know, it'd be just the uh, single line um, paragraphs and, you know, one sentence paragraph, one sentence paragraph. It's like you, you just can't do that for writing like this. So, yeah, a lot of, lot of craft, a lot of relearning how to write because I, I was, I think I was quite good at writing and then I became a reporter and became quick at writing and succinct and now I've gone back to yeah a kind of happy medium but still got the um just the ability to sit down on a seat and just get writing out when I've got the opportunity to so that's that's important especially especially when you've got a you know a four-year-old which I have uh, <laughs> running around so what about um, editing and proofreading and going through all the you know the pre-launch checks do you, do you buy yeah. somebody in for that or do you do it you know within the family yeah yeah, so uh, I mean, it's it's I mean, yeah. So I'm working on my second draft at the moment, which I say second draft. It's essentially a second pass where I'm going through it and um, tightening everything up. I've got pro. I don't know if you've ever used Pro Writing Aid. Yes, I use I've got, that. Yes, yep. Yeah, so I've got that open, and it you know it tells me you know the, this is a passive sentence or you know all that kind of thing and using that and doing edits in the past it's almost like those mistakes aren't there anymore anyway because i've learned from those previous mistakes so yeah so pro writing aid helps with that and then what i do once it's finished is i download it onto my phone read it as a kindle file and then i get my wife to read it once i've gone through that and she'll then help and then once i'm kind of happy with everything that I can do as much as I can, that we can do as much as we can together, that's when we send it to an editor who will, yeah, basically do the line edits. And um, I don't know, it's, it's it's a bit frustrating because it's it's when you get the edits back and there's hardly anything done, which is, <laughs> you know, you think, oh, come on. <laughs> but it's all expense, though, isn't it, you see? Because, you you know, you, you've got to pay all this. You've paid for MailChimp. You, you've got your Insta oh, freebie. Um, There's a lot of money yeah. involved, isn't there, before you even get anything out, out the traps? It is. and it, But this is the thing. It's, it, it, it depends how you want to treat this. For me, this is going to be my business. This is, you know, I'm, I'm a freelance journalist at the minute. And this, for me, I hope... This is my hope is, uh, and I said about hope earlier, you know, it's, <laughs> it's no good for hope, but you've got to kind of, uh, I suppose, try, try your best. But um, my, my hope is that I can have this as my business. I'm going to treat it as a business with any business setting up. There are expenses. There's an, you know, your initial year, if you make profit, you're lucky. Um, so I'm going into this as a business and it's a business that I'll, I'll love because it's, you know, it's what I want to do as well. So um, yeah, I'll, hopefully hopefully that'll that'll be what i can do full time and that'll be brilliant and i always say to people you know because i've worked on the internet for ages you could be setting up a shop or a restaurant if you did that you'd have leases you'd have electricity bills you'd exactly. have cookers yep. you know staff you're up for thousands and thousands of thousands of pounds before you even draw breath but in anything we do online it's really small business isn't it in comparison i think and i, and I think as well a this so much of this stuff we can do ourselves you know it's i can't do book covers so i've paid someone a really good designer to do the book covers and i'm really pleased with how they've come out i've paid for an editor because you know even as good as a writer you know you could be the best writer in the world and i think you're still going to make mistakes um you know because you can't see your own mistakes um which is kind of why 
a lot of local press is suffering at the moment because they've got rid of all their sub editors and people like that. So, um, yeah, it's it's just a, a case of getting out the best quality thing I can with the budget. I mean, I, ideally, if I was doing this um, with an unlimited budget, let's say, then I would be releasing all the books within rather than over the 60-day things that I've got lined up. I would be releasing them maybe every fortnight. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's, um, it's difficult. I mean, one thing I didn't mention, actually, within my launch strategy as I say, it's this idea of keeping the conversation going and keeping me talking about different things. By the end of each month of the release, what I want to do is basically raise some money through Kickstarter to do paperback versions. Um, so again, I'll be doing this thing of talking about the book and giving it to a different audience. Um, and if, if I make the money to do the formatting, that's great. I mean, I, I think I spoke to you about it at this thing and it seems that you know, from I've spoke to a few authors now, and it seems that it's it's between like five and fifteen percent of income is in actual uh, physical books. You know, if you're an indie publisher, and to me that seems like a, a an un. You know, I've basically got to focus on the stuff that's going to make me the most money in the short term. And if I if people want paperbacks, then I can put out this idea of right. Well, you know, let's put your money where your mouth is and invest in this Kickstarter. And if I do that for all three books along the way, get more people, you know, get more conversations going. Oh, and, and there's a, um, you know, I've got these novellas as well. So each each of these books has a prequel novella. And so, at the, you know, at the end of this, there'll be a short story collection out that will pin on. And then there's going to be a box set eventually once the sales go. So, yeah, and then it's just beyond that. Hopefully by September I'll have another trilogy written and uh, ready to go. So fantastic! That's the way to do it. What, what does uh, <laughs> what does a paperback look like to you? Are you going through Ingram Spark or are you going to go through Create Space? It, it probably probably both. Um, just because of you know, I think it depends on the market really. I think the Ingram Spark's better for the British market and to get it into libraries and things. Um, but yeah, Create Create Space obviously for Amazon and um, yeah, it, it's I suppose that's kind of the standard. And I think there's um kdp kdp print is in the beta testing stage so that will probably be a bit of market changer in terms of that because it seems a bit odd to me that basically create space is run as a separate entity when it's owned by amazon um so i'm sure you know they're going to look at that and just go well actually we can probably do this and maybe a better job um you know with our own things so yeah i think the most natural thing on earth is for them to close create space or turn it into something else because um, in my KDP dashboard, it's all in there now. So there's not a lot of point. It's a bit of a nuisance really going out to create space for your book. So I can see that coming. It's got to, you know, I think they'll push that. They must do, mustn't they really to, to tidy it all up? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it, I suppose the, um, for, for me as well, you know, that I really want audio books of these. Um, I mainly consume audio books. I mean, I, I do read the occasional Kindle book, but, um, so it's got to be a, it's not out on audiobook, so I'll read it on Kindle. But, um, yeah, it, I mean, it's the, um, you, you know, the ACX stuff. Yes. Um, so I'm, I'm, I really want to kind of pitch that. And, you know, because I'm, I mean, I, I listen to the um, RNIB library a lot, which is the Royal National Institute for the Blind. And they basically have a free audiobook library. And it's great. And, um, you know, if, if you're visually impaired, it's 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 just an amazing, fantastic resource. It seems to have 
more titles that are on than you know than are on Audible to be honest. So wow. it's yeah, it's like I've I've looked for certain titles on Audible and be like, ah, oh, it's not there. And then I go on to uh, the RNIB library and it's there. So it's I don't know whether they have access to more licenses or whatever how it works, but now it's it's uh, I think the Kim Stanley Robinson's uh, twenty three thirteen I think it was wasn't Audible. I wanted to buy it, but ended up listening to it on the. Um, that app so no it's great oh, fantastic so in terms of um, acx then um I, I i when i did acx i paid for mine because the, oh no one's going to be interested in me as a new writer you know they won't take a punt and go revenue share yeah i've spoken yeah. to so many people recently who've gone uh revenue share so it hasn't cost them a thing and i'm beginning to think maybe i should have shown a little bit more confidence uh when you know when i started will you go for revenue share or will you pay somebody to that's do it? that's the plan i mean you know if it really does a massive you know, go stratospheric straight away, which I doubt will happen. But um, you know, it, it, it's 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 kind of weighing up how it's going to work in terms of finances. You know, I'm on a limited budget, and I've just got to kind of weigh up right. Is this because it's it's very expensive to do? I mean, as you're probably aware, just yeah, I mean, thousands, isn't it, to do um, you know, any any decent length audio book. I got mine um, done for. Um, I'll tell you how much mine cost. I paid a thousand dollars, six hundred and fifty yeah. quid. For I think my first uh, first story, which was fifty thousand words, and uh, somebody right. offered, somebody offered me a deal on that because he was trying to get you know he's trying to establish himself, and he offered me a deal, okay. and, he, and yeah. I liked fixed price, so I said yeah, fixed price, great, I'll go for it, and and he was good, mm. you know his voice was good, so yeah, thousand dollars, six hundred and fifty quid for fifty thousand words. What what are you writing at? What length? Um, right. Well, this book I'm on will be about sixty sixty five when it's done. The second book is looking at well it's it's currently at 55 but i'm looking at adding in a couple of um scenes actually just to kind of give more call back to the first book um so i mean you know uh, this is a calculation i had to make as well in terms of i'm going to be charging the same whether it's a 60,000 word book or an 80,000 word book and 20,000 words is is basically two weeks work so it's you know it's it's a kind of business decision and it's also I've looked at books in the genre, and it seems that the post-apocalyptic genre do come on the shorter side. I mean, there's some books I've seen that seem to be just knocking under fifty thousand words. Um, so yeah, I think this is kind of fitting right in with that. I mean, if I was doing an epic fantasy, I'd probably um, you know be, be chased out of the market. So it's yeah, <laughs> yeah it's just um, it, I suppose it it depends on what market you're writing for and the expectations of that really. Can I use this as an opportunity to mention to you, in case you don't know about it, but also to people listening, um, something called audiobookboom.com. Have you heard of that? Oh, audio book boom. No, what's that? Right, I'll just recommend it to you because that's the conversation we're having at the moment. When you've got your audio books, uh, mm. like everything, it's a devil of a job to get momentum and get reviewers on it. You know, when you're unknown in the marketplace, what audio book boom does is it creates. Um, it, uh, you get you, you don't get codes from Amazon. Uh, Amazon will give you free codes. They'll give you UK codes and USA codes to give mm. away copies of your book for free amazon obviously gets new readers out of it that's their interest and they will keep you supplied with as many of those codes as you want so when they they they'll always send you uh, though i think it's 30 codes when you list your book and somebody mm. like me thinks oh well, that's all they're going to give me but if you just keep asking they'll just keep sending them to you now that means you can give your book if you list your book through audiobook boom audiobook boom will find you loads of people who want to listen to your book and you let them have it through a code which means they buy it through the system but they get it for free 
and that gives you the initial reviews on your audiobook to get things oh, going. Right, yeah. And, yeah. I, um, and I recommended it to somebody else who said it's brilliant. Thanks for telling me about it the other day. And it really helped me with my audiobook because you know, a lot of the time when no one knows you, things just sit there and um, it really just got some impetus going with it. So um, yeah. I mentioned that at every opportunity because um, it's a little known site. Is that is that anything to do with audio boom at all, or is that is that just a? I don't think so. No, audiobookboom.com is the um, is the uh, address, but um, it did really well. I got I got more in the US than I did in the UK, which is I, I find mm. typical of self publishing. I sell more books in the US than I do in the UK, um, and I got rid of more audio books than I did in the US than the UK. But I don't really, frankly, care where you know where the sales come from. <laughs> uh, you know, yeah. Who cares? Um, this is the the joy of a global market, isn't it? Well, you say you say that. I, I actually um, I do at the moment because um, it's this um, what is it the withholding tax in America. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to work out how to get around that if if I can, because um, you know that's gonna that's a thirty percent of the of the royalty revenue. So I've been really lazy with that. Uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm terrible with the numbers, and I think was it you and I talking about this today? Did I send you that link to a? Uh, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. Did it? Was there anything in there? Because I haven't, I still haven't gone through it. I, I was putting yeah, it into my yeah. note today. I went, I went through it, and it's, it seems that I'm on this. Um, I, I seem to be still on it, basically. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I don't know whether it needs me to basically uh, start selling more books or whatever. So. Yeah, well, I need to have. A, I do need to have a really serious look. I tell you what, I was thinking today. I put that link that I sent you into my Evernote, and I've actually put a note on my whiteboard to contact that lady to get her on for a podcast interview. Um, because um, I, I, you know, I, I am. Um, a lot of my money's being withheld in the states now. It's beginning to bug me actually when I saw how much it was. Um, <laughs> uh, you know, so I, I want that back now. Thank you. Um, so mm. I, I need to tackle it. I've been really lazy with it because you know when you start and it doesn't matter. You just sort of think, oh, whatever. As long as I'm bringing something in. But I guess the more you know, the more things get established, the more you tend to look at the detail and think, hang on, you know, I, I need to sort that. Mm. Yeah, yeah. If, if you have a breakthrough, tell me, will you? <laughs> and I'll share it on yeah, the podcast. I will do. No worries. No worries. Yeah. Now, um, I wanted to know there's just a couple of things you've, you've mentioned so far. I just want to pick up on. Um, you said that you've got some um, traditionally published friends who are yeah. um, who find it a nightmare. I just wondered, um, you know, what elements of traditional publishing they're, they're finding difficult? Is it the earnings, the royalties, the reporting? Uh, you know, the yes. process, <laughs> all of it. Yeah, all of it. Yeah. Um, I think I think what it is is. The idea of spending all this time on a book, not knowing how many copies have sold, um, not knowing how much you're going to earn until you get a check in the post six months later. Um, it's just all, all the kind of uncertainty around it. And also the idea that, okay, they get a bit of an advance, but um, it's an advance on earnings where there's very little marketing, where the publishers expect them to do much of the marketing themselves. And it, it's a, it, it's basically the frustrating thing of, right, you've got my book, you own the rights to it, I can't do anything with it, you're not doing anything with it. And um, I, I just, yeah, it's just, there seems to be a lot of frustration with that. So. Yeah, this rights issue is a really big deal, isn't it? Because not only are your hands tied, you can't wrestle mm. your way out of those ties either. I think that's the frustrating thing about it. And they must be watching people like you who are taking their lives into their own hands, um, you know, and but self-determining your career as an author, which is frankly pretty exciting, I think. Yeah, I'm, I'm very excited about it. It's, um, I, I suppose what it is, is it used to be you'd have a print deal and your book would go out of print and then 
within a few years you'd get the rights back. But because of you basically selling ebook rights as well now, they're never out of print. And if they're not selling and they're not out of print, there's, there's nothing you can do about it. You know, if if I don't write this book, if I just, you know, I can't do it, I get some kind of writer's block or something, then it's it's on me and, you know, that's kind of, that's the end of it. But when you've got someone going, actually, you owe us and, and come after you, that's that's when it gets scary. And, um, yeah, I, I just don't want that. I'm, I'm, a, I'm a bit of a... Um, control freak when it comes to um you know kind of dealing with my own business and you know i've not probably worked well with bosses in the past i mean i i, I used to work um i mean i was all you know when i was in the newsrooms i was always clashing with editors and things and i even got a job in pr that lasted for three weeks so it's <laughs> <laughs> um <clears throat> but that, that that was um that was that was just because of, because of the person i work for but um yeah i mean to be honest i've i've always wanted to work for myself and be self-directed and for it the only person i kind of have to answer to is myself and my family rather than someone who's got what you know whatever their um their goals are so <laughs> i know that you immerse yourself very deeply into this wonderful free world that we have of you know podcasts and learning resources you you mentioned um you know youtube videos are a particular favorite of yours too mm. can i just ask you what your go-to sources of of information have been while you've been traveling on this journey where'd you get the most value oh blimey uh right so into i mean i suppose this is into this can be split in terms of craft in terms of um just inspiration in terms of marketing so i mean the pub the podcast that i mainly listen to for craft are things like um, Andy Chamberlain's creative writer's tool belt. Um, he's really good, really clear tutor. I've been really enjoying the story grid podcast. Um, you know, the writing excuses as well is fantastic. So there's a lot of resources now that are out there that really kind of help you with the craft side of things in terms of marketing. I mean, there's, you know, there's the um, self-publishing formula podcast. There's a sell more books podcast. The one that I really like just because it's, very focused my genre is the science fiction and fantasy marketing podcast um and so i've just picked up so much stuff and you know basically learned a lot of lessons from people who've made mistakes which you know i'm going to make mistakes along the way but hopefully i won't make the same mistakes those people have made so yeah there's just a, a lot more out there than there ever has been before and yeah it's it's great it's interesting that you mentioned that. The big mistake I made in 2000 and what is it, 16, is I paid, um, I laid out uh, £1,800 for a course uh, in writing, and it was quite a traditional course. And mm. um, frankly, you know, compared to what, like you, I consume everything. I consume audiobooks. You know, I buy, I have, um, I buy Audible subscriptions at £100 a time and just download as I yeah, hear people. Yeah, I've got the same one, the 20, 24 a year. <laughs> yeah, and, and you know, I, I get through about three of them a year. I just, every time I hear somebody mention, you know, somebody who I respect mention a book, I just buy it and, and, and mm. listen to it. And um, uh, so podcasts, a uh, load of audio books. And frankly, um, that was the biggest waste of money ever um, in that um, I get more from all the brilliant free resources that are out there, yeah. just from the indie community sharing. So my lesson is, you know, just keep diving deeper into that stuff because it's all out yeah. there, isn't it? It's all there. It is. And, and just in terms of, um, you know, there's, there's probably, there's how many 
thousands of writing books out there probably i think that you need a good dictionary um maybe a copy i mean even even stephen king's on writing it doesn't actually tell you how to plot out a story how to write a story because he's done it so much that it's kind of intuitive so i i actually found in terms of story craft and structuring stories and writing them the best book was um blake snyder's save the cat which is, I don't know if you're familiar with that, it's basically a, a book about screenwriting, um, but it, it really tells you about the importance of scenes and how to lay out scenes, and um, it, it just applies to writing. It's, it's, all, it's all there. So, yeah, and, and just in terms of, you know, thing, things like books on grammar and, you know, Lynn Truss's uh, Eat, Shoots and Leaves and things like that, there's, there's just, um, you know, a lot, a lot of books out there about writing that I think, you know, I think you kind of owe it to yourself as a writer to learn how to write just before any, before learning how to tell a story, you know, get you, it's like if you were making furniture or anything like that, you'd need to know how to do the particular joins and the particular fittings or whatever before you start building because otherwise it's going to fall apart. So yeah, that's my, the big thing for me is to get the writing and the craft first and then, you know, get your ideas out. The crash you may have heard in the background just then was me leaning over to grab my copy of Save the Cat, uh, which, is on my, <laughs> on my, which is on my bookshelf. Um, yeah. And because uh, you can't get it in audiobook form, or uh, have you, have you, uh, I think you get it in CD, but I don't think you can get it in audiobook form yet, which is a huge no, frustration I'll, for me. There, there is a podcast, um, the Save the Cat podcast, which has been really helpful. Add that to the list. Um, and, it, you know, it's the. I mean, I, I really am against this kind of cookie cutter approach to this is how you structure a story. Um, you know, there's a lot of people who will claim that their their method is better. And when it comes to it, there's lots of different ways to write and structure stories and tell stories. But, um, you know, the, just the little things in the Blake Snyder book I found really helpful just to consider, like, when I know if, if a scene isn't working or if the story's not moving, I can look at that his kind of, uh, I think it's like a 15 beat sheet, whatever he calls it is. And I just think, actually, this is a point where I could have the, you know, the all, lo- all is lost moment, or I could have the um, everything flipping and, you know, everything changing in the world or, you know, something like that, just to give me that, that drive when I'm outlining my novel. So yeah, really, really helpful stuff. I want to ask you about your covers because I saw you put these on your Facebook page recently. I thought, ooh, I like that. That's very nice. <laughs> and uh, and uh, they're really nice. They're spot on. They're bang on for uh, post-apocalyptic uh, dystopia, yep, yep. which is what I've also done as well. Yep. Um, so I love them. So what, tell me about those and where you got them from. Uh, I mean, to be honest, it's, it's a bit weird because, you know, I've got such a good deal with them. And it's like I don't, I don't want to give out the secret because I, <laughs> I want to. But now it's now the, the girl who does them is brilliant. She's based in Singapore. Um, it's it's Yokla Design, so it's Y O C L A, and then Designs, um, and those covers cost one hundred and forty nine dollars each, which is just amazing for some of the compared to some of the quotes I've got, and the quality is just yeah. She she was just working with me on the brief, and um, she she just got it. Uh, she just got what I was getting getting and. Um, she really understood the genre and follow, you know, because I, I, I did want it to be something that would stand out and also fit. So same but different kind of thing. 
and I think she really hit that on the head. So I couldn't have asked for better covers. It's really interesting. You're, you're my third podcast interview this week. And uh, I, I actually, at the moment, I've just tucked away £1,200 for three thriller covers because that's that's uh, what I have paid in the past. And mm. I've talked to somebody, um, you, you, you're you getting yours for $150, which is what, £110, £120 maybe? Something yeah, like that. yeah, yeah. Uh, it's a lot less than mine. And then also um, somebody who was getting, amazingly getting them, at $25 a time on Fiverr. And, and these covers are, are great covers. And somebody last night was doing his own. And all of these people mm. are shifting books. And, I, you know, I have to say, I am sort of thinking, mm, I'm going to have to have a think about this because that's, you know, that's such a lot of money to spend alongside um, editors. Now, ed- you know, editors, you've absolutely got to do. But um, yeah. I am beginning to reconsider my my strategy <laughs> Uh, on this now i do i do know though but from from personal experience that when you start to do paperbacks it all gets a little bit more technical with spines and things like that oh she she does that as well so well, yeah she, i think alignment it, right yeah i think i think it's a, an extra 35 dollars um so yeah there's basically you get your basic package which is 100 and, well i think she's a hundred dollar one but then if you want the 149 that's if you're going to go f- with paper covers because of the rights of the images she uses and things like that so um i mean that's that's one concern i have with things like fiverr is okay you can get these covers done for that price but where are they getting the images are they paying the rights for these images is it going to bite you in the backside if you're using someone's image without permission um so at least i don't know i'm, I'm kind of assured that this this person is using images or stock stock images and paying the rights for them so yeah, there seems to be a bit more kind of legal care going on in the background. And, and do you know what? this is? This is often why I pay because I'm I, I work for the BBC. You know, in the past, I'm very well aware of copyright issues and and, and rights yep. issues. And I'm very 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 touchy about rights issues. You know, to make absolutely make sure that my images are safe. You know, for the number for the application that I'm using it for, mm. because you have to usually pay for an extended license on 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 covers, not just a bog standard one. It's usually an extended license on pictures. And mm. um, and I I do take a lot of time and trouble over that, which is probably why I'm slightly more inclined, you know, always to pay more rather than less. Uh, mm. I'm always looking for signs that people are aware of these issues. You know, that if they've got even got a basic awareness of it, it helps. <laughs> I, I yeah. just think, you know, they, they know <laughs> I mean, what you're yeah. talking about. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, I mean, if if you obviously if you've got the journalistic background and you'll have you'll have done your law on this and you know your defamation and your, um, you know things like copyright and everything. So yeah, yeah I, I mean, stuff, yeah. <laughs> we 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 know this stuff because and it's a worry that we have. But I mean, there's obviously a lot of people out there who aren't aware of this, and I don't know. I I do worry. I do worry that it can um, kind of it might trip people up who you know are, are indie authors and might not be in a position necessarily to fork out the money for it so yeah it's just due di- yeah yeah due diligence that's the uh phrase isn't it mm, it's worth flagging up though because some people you know i i do a lot of digital training with people and people think that if it's on google uh, images it's it's fair you know you can just help yourself mm. to it absolutely not um, mm. I, I knew it would be uh, great talking to you. Now, I, I want to come back. I, I want to sort of come back to you when you've got some launch data, when you've started your launch, so that yeah. we can um, you know, see how it's going, what's working, uh, what's not, what you've learned from it and all of this. What's the shape of the beginning of the year like then? When do you think you're going to be moving on to the next three? And when do you think I might be talking to you about that sort of... Okay, so, so I mean, yeah, so as I say, the release is dependent on getting the editor... Um, and it depends how long they take. I mean, one one thing I'm doing that I've, I've not mentioned is 
um, I am actually employing a copywriter um, to do my blurb um, because, again, I want, you know, someone who does book copywriting, I really want just the best possible blurb. I want the best possible cover, best, best possible blurb, because these are the things that, you know, people will look at before they even look inside your book. You didn't get Brian um, to do it, did you? Have you got Brian to do it from Subway? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the one. No, yeah, yeah. I, well, so, I, have, um, I got him to do three of mine as well. Yeah. Oh, well, how how did that work out for you? Was that do you think that um, shifted the needle in any way, or well, is it I just hate uh... doing blurbs? I hate <laughs> passion, uh, and I'm probably gonna. Uh, he's just had a. They've just had a baby, haven't they? So I know he's he's closed for orders at the moment. But I'm yeah, probably gonna get yeah. him to do my thrillers as well because I I hate doing blurbs so much. It's ridiculous. It's such a small amount of writing, but I yeah. find it agony. Did did you? It sounds like you do the same because it's yeah yeah. Well, I, I mean, when I started off at the Yorkshire Post, I was doing nibs, and it was just a case of these little tiny, basically, blurbs about news stories, and I could do that all day. When it comes to doing that about my own stuff, I'm, I'm just <laughs> a complete loss. It's agony, um, isn't it? Yeah, so it's like, well, uh, which character should I focus on? And Yeah, I don't know. It's There's a lot, a lot to think about, and I'd rather just, you know, pay someone and go just do it and uh, yeah no, Brian does a good job I paid, him, I paid him for three of them uh, and it was a yep. blessed relief when he did them and I said to him my feedback to him was you know it's uh, when I read those I want to read my own book um, you know it excites me about my own book to read those so yeah that's kind of what you want really isn't it yeah yeah so yeah so that, that can be added to that so in in terms of where I where I am my release as I say is dependent on the thing but I, I am telling people spring um, so it could be as early as March. More likely, it's going to be April, May time. Um, but it it just depends. I want all my ducks in a row. I want to have built up this um, mailing list, and um, I'm going to be releasing a short story collection as soon as that's back from the editor, um, which is with her now and has been for a few weeks. So hoping to get that back very soon. And then that's going to go out as a perma-free, just as another kind of, um, I suppose you call it like a magnet for readers. So... Um, what I'm hoping is people will pick it up on Amazon and then want to, oh, you can get a free novella as well. Okay, let's uh, sign up for this. So, yeah, and, and hopefully that will just lead them on to getting more interested in my stories and things. So, yeah. Well, it's it's all best practice strategies. So, you know, this is why I'm so interested to hear from it. But also, as I said, I'll say this again, you know, mo- most people um, are launching off their butt on their buddies' backs. They're, they're getting, you know, mm. they, they can't really fail but succeed because they've got such impetus, whereas you really are having to build this from a standing start, which is why I think it's so interesting. So with your permission, I'll I'll get back in touch with you, you know, halfway through next year and we'll, we'll review that if yeah. we can and see what yep. we learned and how it went, if that's okay. That's fantastic. Yep. Now that'd be good. And you're all over yeah. the web. You're doing all the right things. So can you tell me, <laughs> just conclude if you would, by telling us where we can find out <laughs> more about you on the web? Okay, so the main place will be johncronshaw.com. That's J-O-N-C-R-O-N-S-H-A-W.com. Thinking about it, should have maybe used a, uh, a pen name with <laughs> that doesn't have unusual spellings, but there we go. Um, so, yeah, that's me, johncronshaw.com. Um, the, what I do, if you look for short science fiction review on any podcast app, um, I do reviews of short science fiction stories, and I'm starting to now talk about this process and releasing books and things. Um, yeah, it's all, it's all on there. I've got a Facebook page, John Cronshaw author. I'm on Twitter. It's at JL Cronshaw. 
Um, and that's that's pretty much it, really. I just want to try and keep focused on these things. Um, I do post on Goodreads a lot under my own name, but yeah, I suppose that's it. I, I don't really use things like Reddit or any other social media platforms. I think, yeah, they're, they're the main ones. Thank you for listening to this week's Self-Publishing Journeys. If you enjoyed the show, please consider sharing it with your indie author friends. Or you can leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or whichever podcast directory you use. In the meantime, you'll find previous interviews and all the show notes at selfpublishingjourneys.com. Thanks again for listening. We'll have more great self-publishing tips for you next week.